Hi, and welcome to Pathways, the podcast by Grenadian Steam. This is the show where we chat with Grenadians and other West Indians pursuing careers in the steam fields to learn about the reasons they got into the industry, the struggles they have faced, and some tips and tricks they may have picked up along the way. I'm your host and president of Grensteam, Arlene Hayes. In this season, we are putting the focus on those who are doing it best right at home. Science, technology, engineering, architecture, and math exist all around us, even though we may not always realize it. And there are lots of openings for these skill sets to be used on the island. So join us as we talk about STEAM in Grenada and hear about some local businesses that you might want to get involved with and support. This episode is brought to you by Carabytes. Carabytes is a proud sponsor of Grenadian Steam and is the best way to order delivery from your favorite restaurants in Antigua, Grenada, and St. Vincent. Whether you're too busy to cook or looking to surprise a loved one with food, you're destined to find the perfect choice from a vast selection of restaurants. Order today at www.carabytes.com and specially for Pathways listeners, use the coupon STEAM on the checkout page to get a 25% discount on the delivery fee. That's www.karibites.com. Use the coupon STEAM for 25% off your delivery fee today. Marcus Andal has always had a passion for natural healing and remedies provided by Mother Nature, which guided him to start using plant-based cooking, herbal teas, and yoga as tools. Growing up in his homeland Grenada, the Isle of Spice, Marcus learned how to utilize the fruits of Mother Nature to heal. He has learned to use locally grown herbs, spices, and wild bush to treat a variety of illnesses. However, only through the implementation of these remedies in his daily life was he able to truly understand how powerful they are and their effects on the human body. Marcus's journey of self-healing led him to become a coach, and he now happily shares his experiences and knowledge to facilitate the healing of others as a coach and plant-based chef through his company, Grenada Itel. Grenada Itel is an all-natural brand geared toward delivering internal therapy, alignment, and love, I-T-A-L, with the use of plant-based foods and herbal teas in conjunction with yoga. This combination is meant to facilitate the healing of one's mind, body, and soul, resulting in realigning to a state of oneness. I was really looking forward to this conversation with Marcus, as he is one of the country's very few youth farmers, and was sure to have a very interesting perspective on the state of our agricultural sector as well as many ideas for holistic implementation of agriculture in the economy. I hope you enjoy today's chat, and if you do, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review, or drop us a note on social media and let us know what you want to hear more of. Good morning, Marcus, and welcome to Pathways. Hello, good day, good day, Grand Horizon Ali. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's just after 9.30 on a Sunday morning. How's your morning been going so far? Um, it's been going beautiful. I already was in the land for the morning already. Um, Salt out. Let me just salt out um, with some plants, some tanya, some planting. And then, um, yeah, so it's been a beautiful morning thus far. All right. So get us started here. Marcus, where, where are you from originally in Grenada? Where you grew up? Um, I'm originally from St. David's, um, Windsor Forest to be exact, and then um, we moved to St. Paul's, and St. Paul's has been home based for at least 25 years of my life. St. Paul's represent... Facts. <laughs> so, 
Well, growing up um, in Grenada now in Windsor Forest, St. Paul's, what were your years like as a student? So primary school, secondary school, what kind of a boy were you growing up? I was, I would say, I was always an explorer. Um, I was a bit of a rebel to challenge and start a school. What is what is always happening and, you know, why is this and why is that? Um, also to, um, and I think that would have made me what most people call a troublemaker, right? Because obviously like I'm going against the green you know um but that has been also a crucial thing to brought me where I'm at today too you know just keep challenging and challenging and why why because I think that I think that's one of the most crucial questions in the world why why we're we doing this and why we're we doing that you know mm-hmm. or is it really making sense so but growing up in um in Windsor Forest Windsor Forest is is a nice place um it, it really honed my childhood because I was around my grandmother and stuff a lot. And with her, that, that, that's where I got my first action of being in the land. And I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, that is that much. But childhood growing up, it was nice. Um, lived with my mom for most of my life, right? So, and that was, that was pretty amazing having that, you know, guidance growing up too. Yeah, okay. So, Getting into secondary school now, you know, there's a time when you're supposed to be settling down and figuring out what you want to do next. Right. What was that like for you? Were you were you on a track or you were just kind of figuring no. things out? I was just figuring things out literally in secondary school. Um, Because, you know, even when we were just our fast forward within secondary school, like form three going form four, and it was like choosing subjects was conflicting because, I mean, there are subjects I want to do but then they're going against subjects that, you know, you have to choose between. I'm like, there are the options. And I'm like, so, you know, just from that, that was a bit, that, to me, that was very frustrating for me in school because, again, it made me feel like I couldn't choose what I wanted to do yeah. to put myself where I wanted to be. It's like I had to settle for, all right, well, let me just do this because it's like I didn't really have a choice, you know. I had a choice, but the choices was limited. That, right. that, that's the best way. Um Getting in secondary school, I just wing it, man. Literally, secondary school was more of a more fun than education for me. But I think I, you know, I learned a lot of valuable life lessons too as well. I mean, just because I wasn't following the same path like everybody else, you know, um, it's, I was actually selling a lot of stuff in secondary school. You know, hustling mm-hmm. goodies, that kind of stuff. So yeah, so I mean, secondary school was yeah, it wasn't. I learned how to little life principles more than I was educated in secondary school, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And so what happened next? You you did CXE? Um, CXE, um, we do CXE. And then I started working with my dad because I right, so Peter Andal, Andal and Associates Supermarket. So um, literally just kind of, I guess, you know, you just kind of fall in line. Um, mm-hmm. So I was working there for a year or so. And then I think two years after Ivan hit, yeah. And that was another turning point in my life too as well. Um, because when Ivan hit, um dad was like, you know, what I wanna do if you know, would I like to go and study in Houston? And I'm like, Yeah, I'd like to go and study in Houston, you know. And um so from Ivan I went to Texas to study for like four or five years. Okay. Right. And then um that was beautiful. That what did you study? Um, business management actually. And um, yeah, I haven't finished my degree. Um, I left before um, uh, my degree was finished. Um, family issues, so that was a whole other aspect. But um, being in even just being out of Grenada, being in Texas, and I travel a lot while I was in the states too. And even before that, I do travel in and between summer that kind of vibe. So I think that was beautiful for me too as well because it really helped me see the world. And I think you know anybody who travel and come back to where they they were home i guess you know you'll realize that your you, the way you think the the way your mind operates the way you see things obviously change and you see how most people i think see how you could maybe help where you're from you know when you're when you travel and just understand the world helps you understand yourself too so i find what you want to do you know um so i started to do Entertainment. I was um, when I when I came back. I was I was one of the biggest promoters in Grenada at a point in time. Um, yeah. Doing events. Um, I was managing bars, restaurants. Um, I had my own marketing company. We used to market a lot of these bars. So yeah, I came back on a whole different well, actually a whole different paradigm. But 
I, I went from like into business into entertainment like tapping into that entertainment world so that was it for years for me doing parties doing events managing bars managing artists you know um that was the majority of you can see my early my early 20s going in that, that kind of vibe coming to my mother 20s was just events fets that kind of thing um shows concerts that was me um so let's take it back a little bit first um mm-hmm. what made you decide to pursue business management or business administration um because it was just my father's under business that it just seemed like that's what I, what I was supposed to do right yeah okay yeah that, that you, was, were, you were in that for about four three four years yeah three four years so you're talking about like a lot of changing the way you think and all of that what did you right. take away from that part of the degree that you pursued what was kind of the, your biggest change in in thought um interesting that's an interesting question <laughs> what's my biggest change thought and what i would see see how small the world was i think was my biggest change thought it felt like before it was like there's grenada and then there's a world right mm-hmm. for me that made the world smaller you know um and i think also just as constantly in contact with new cultures so that that made the world smaller for me i think making the world smaller made it easier for me to understand all right i could take this project in india and bring it here you know you just had to tweak it you know what i'm saying because you have access to that now from a, that mind space yeah <laughs> okay that's a that's a good answer <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, so bring it back home now. So you get back to Grenada um, right. and you start doing the entertainment, you know, working on your own yeah. businesses. What was that like? Fun. That was fun. Energy vibes. Um, uh, it, you know, I, that's something I'm really happy for too, because tapping into that, that entertainment world is, is, it, especially in Grenada, it's truly an amazing thing because we have so much talent from all aspects of entertainment here. You know, we hear so much about music and soca, but there are amazing actors and actresses in Grenada. Like, like I'm talking about like tier one, like, I mean, they are amazing what they do, you know, um, and it's just sad that, you know, we can't really put, you know, all these products and, you know, people with all these amazing talent out there like that. You know, but I think soon we will. So even in entertainment world, that was something I was challenging. I think everywhere that I work, I challenge what's happening. You know, and always looking for how can we make what can we do make this better? How can we how can we match what we've seen out there? You know what I'm saying? Um, because obviously we, we want to grow as an island, be stable. So what can we do to make our products? You know, maybe entertainment, agriculture, tourism, whatever it is. How can we push that forward? And that's something I was just even in entertainment. Um with events and stuff like that i was always thinking next um ahead of the curve right so some of the events i did it was first time even happening um maybe within even the caribbean even in the world because you know you know when you google and search you know as some of the events i did you know you don't see it right so um yeah i always like to bring something new to the table some creative and i think that has been my, my my drive you know in everything i do right how can i make this better um and finding that has brought me to a solution-based thinking which i love okay so in all this when did you actually start you talk about when you were younger farming was not your thing you didn't want to be in the land so when did you start taking nah i didn't want to see the land (laughs) (laughs) when did that change Um, so in between entertainment, um, you know, again, meeting people, right? And you, you, I meet so many different people a, a, along the way, you know, and you know, every time I meet someone, like life would just send me the black sheep, the weird people, you know, what people call, just the eccentric ones, you know, those that stand out, those that don't live by society rules either, right? And um, I'm interacting with these people really just always, like I say, spark a little of this, all right, we could do this, you know, this is making sense. Like, and with that, it brought me to changing how I eat. So, you know, I went from eating and drinking, I smoking as well to cigarettes, all that stuff too. just dropping everything and started eating healthy. 
right? Um, uh, I was watching a document. Um, a friend, Nicole Hector, put me onto a documentary called Codespiracy. And in watching that documentary, that just kind of tweak a lot of stuff for me, right? Um, and for me, it was cold turkey. Literally, the changes in my life wasn't like over time. And that, that was a crazy really? thing. It, it felt like it was just waiting there for me to just do it, right? Yeah. So, um, Codespiracy, I watched it. Let's say I watched it last night. By the morning, my fridge, my pantry was cleaned out with everything that is not good for me, right? And from that, um, being in Grenada, I was like, it shouldn't be hard being a vegan or it shouldn't be hard eating plant-based food, obviously. And then I get to realize that, you know, how some places, how expensive people sell some of the produce they have, right? And then I was like, all right, Marcus, you got to figure this out. But then I was like, I have so much food in the back. I think... Because we look at, when you hear vegan, you know, you can't, sometimes most times, and you look for smoothies, green smoothies, you don't really see lettuce and pork chop. You see kale, you see arugula. It's not originally grown in Grenada. So, you know, you feel like to be, to eat healthy, you have to go and purchase stuff, expensive stuff, which is true, but again, which is also false. And the fallacy comes because we don't know what we have in Ireland. And me just stand explore and be like, all right, I need to find a way how I could eat healthy, but n- not have it be as expensive as it seems. Because again, like, we need a half food. So why do we have so much food, but then eating healthy is expensive? You know what I mean? So yeah. it took me into that. And um, that that is what brought me into farming, figuring out why food is so expensive and how can I, it was me finding, again, solution-based thing. It was me trying to find a solution for that for myself but as well as for other people who wants to make the cha- the change. And that came a bit down the line, but it was for me, like, how can I make this possible, you know, for me and, you know, really have a, a, a balanced life, you know, also with the dad that I want. So that brought me heavy into farming and my dad actually had a farm. I didn't even know this because again, I'm not into farming, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, I've been doing farming for the last four years before I even made my decision to change my diet and stuff. So, you know, um, when I found that out, I literally went to the farm and checked him. I was like, yo, listen, I changed my diet. Um, I'm looking to, you know, eat healthier. Do the saying how to come, I just come if just two, three days, you know, let me do what I need to do. Um, and that is where my farming journey really kick off, like working with my dad on his farm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Interesting. So, yeah. all right. So much to, to unpack here. So yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> you had like just a, a small plot of land in that farm or how much access did you have? What did you start with? What it was basically, I was, I was working with him. So um, I was literally like learning for like, so uh, the first couple of two months like I just tagging along with him you know like uh, a little puppy behind his mother like show me what's up like this 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 so you know I learned from the planting to you know harvesting you know um, preparing the land I mean all the, the necessary facts about farming the only thing I wasn't kosher with though they were using fertilizer mm. all right it was an organic farm which I do understand for how should I say it for commercial farms but also after being a farmer so many years, I realized that I don't understand that anymore. Commercial farms can be organic, right? So, because, yeah. you know, you, before I'm thinking like, all right, you had to get produce, da, 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 da. but again, it, there is and a very simple way to make commercial farms as organic as a small home farm, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's the only throwback for me that, you know, we had had to feed plants fertilizer but again it wasn't my farm um working so you know i had but i learned so much you know being there obviously i had a plot of land too where i used to just plant up my own stuff um you know um and see you know results see what comes out there that kind of vibe so as well yeah okay mm-hmm. so was it an easy transition you just you said you went cold turkey and then you just started eating whatever came from that farm or yeah, and I mean, not just whatever from the farm, but also to, you know, um, you know, buying stuff, you know, other, other um, produce from other places. It was, I don't know, it wasn't challenging, you know, and I think information that made, the, uh, the information I had made it not challenging, right? Um, I had information on on food, and so 
I, I used to love bloggers, right? And one of the main things that stood out to me in conspiracy was that we use about 1,400 gallons of water to make a quarter pound. I'm like, that's crazy, yeah. right? And in my mind, I was like, I don't, I don't want to use 1,400. I don't want to be, you know, adding to that, literally. And, you know, so that in itself just kind of shook me up, you know. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, I was doing all the smoothies, right? Smoothies is something that really started off for me um with my my dad so i was doing like two smoothies and a meal a day basically i was doing a green smoothie in the morning and more like a fruit or milk based smoothie in the evening right and then i'll have a meal in, in between around lunchtime that kind of vibe um again being in Grenada was a beautiful thing i had fruits all around my coconut water all around my banana so it wasn't it wasn't that challenging because again like i said we have food around us but just making the food work um, again, when you get plant-based, when you research plant-based, there's a lot of foreign food you see. So even like steam food is, it's like, you know, how you steam provision and that kind of vibe. That is ital food, that is vegan food. But, you know, if you type in vegan food online, you don't see steam provision, you know what I'm saying? So even mm-hmm. like for some people, steam provision, like I had a discussion with a guy that again, like he didn't see steam provision as vegan food, you know? But it is because it's, <laughs> because it's such... You don't see it online or here as that is a vegan or plant based. So yeah. I think for me, just tapping into what I have locally was the best thing. And yeah, that that's what it was. It really just pushed me forward to where I want to be. And um, I started doing things like peace parties, right? So taking lentil and split peas and making burger parties with it, right? So I used to do that. I mean, I still do it, but that was like an amazing thing for me. I learned how to make ban- vegan banana breads. Um, and then uh, I started cooking a lot of food. Even before I went vegan, I loved cooking, right? Okay. Cooking was always a drive for me. I never cooked the cell before, but then when I started, you know, at home and I experimenting, obviously I put pictures up on social media, all that type of stuff. Also, and I do yoga as well too. I, I know I forgot to mention that, but at the same time I changed my diet, I started yoga. So everything was tied into the physical, with how it's eating. I was really just trying to mind, body, and soul all at once, basically. And, you know, just heal my body, heal my mind, heal my soul, and, you know, just you know, move forward. And I was sharing that progress, I guess, online, you know, Instagram, social media, that kind of. And interest, people became interested. And I think that is when I decided, you know, let me see how, because there wasn't really nobody in Grenada pushing I shouldn't say there wasn't a word, but I think they were most silent because they were always chastised and, you know, people always ridicule them about how they eat and what not. So they weren't really stepping forward and saying, this is the way we should eat. So even for me, I was like, again, I have a voice. Um, I was always, I've true entertainment. I think that it made me a popular person in Grenada. So I was like, you know what? People have seen my change, right? And I was like, you know what? Let me use my platform. That's that's what you can say. Like, you know, I have a platform. Yeah. So let me use that platform now to you know, show people, listen, we have it all here. You know, you don't have to eat this. You don't have to eat that. Um, and then seeing so many people over the last few years, it's like I'm getting older and I'm seeing young people getting sicker, you know? And I'm like, damn, I'm like, and again, all this is like, what's causing this, you know? And I do my research. It's, it all went back to food and I'm like, so everything just kind of happened around the same time. All the motivation, the drives, and I was like, you know, Marcus, um, you need to start sharing your journey and letting people know what's up. And that's what I'm doing from the yoga to the food to smoothies. Like every day was posting. And I think with that, it created an energy where, you know, people look for me to help them with changing their diets and, you know, help them eating better and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is my transition was... Uh, Simple one, but it also created so much dynamic for me as well. Beautiful light and opportunities. Yeah. yeah. So when did the idea for Grenada ITEL begin? Was it back then or is this a more recent? Nah, Grenada ITEL started about three three years ago. Um, it started when I, had, um, I was hired from a first retreat in Karakul. Um, and I was like, I need to, and I can't just be doing this freelance, you know, I need to have a company, I need to have something, you know, firm and strong, you know, to support what I do and um, and what really stands to me. So um, that's where Grenada ITEL came in. Um, and um, ITEL stands for Internal Therapy Alignment with Love, you know, internal with food, 
therapy, counseling and coaching, alignment with yoga and everything comes with love. So that was my breakdown. And, you know, I tell us already I would use for plant-based food, you know, that kind of natural vibe, vibration. It's like, mm-hmm. I want to add more spinted. So I in, break it down into an acronym, add more spinted. And here is Grenada Eitel, you know. And the reason why it's Grenada Eitel, because I wanted to, I want to move it around the Caribbean. So I want to have Trinidad Eitel, St. Vincent Eitel, Barbados Eitel, that kind of vibe, you know. So Eitel is the, the main frame, basically. Yeah, the bigger vision there. So yes. you, you mentioned that you were hired for your first retreat. Was that a yoga retreat or like a holistic? What does that retreat entail? So it was a holistic retreat, right? Uh, uh, um, it was a week retreat, right? Um, where I had to go cook for people. Um, it's interesting because like I haven't, I'm, I'm doing food, like I've done little, little food, right? But not like I, I had to go in-house cooking, that kind of vibe. So it was a new experience, you know? Um, it was beautiful though because again, it gave, like I said, it gave me that opportunity not just to interact with other people who making changes, but also understand what they're facing to as well. All right. So, um, I did like five retreats in Karakul. The first two retreats were like back to back. So like a retreat was done on Friday. I went to Grenada. I went down to Grenada Saturday. Came back Karakul the next Tuesday again for another retreat. Right. So it was it was fun, and I went from being a chef to the retreat, actually being a partner, co-hosting retreats, right? Because um, like, like I said, I think everything I tap into, I always try to make it better. So it's like, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm a solution-based thinker. So once I get into something, if there's any issues or it just upgrade, like I would always put myself to find a solution because I mean, solutions are there, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so I got involved heavily in hosting the retreat, not just being a chef at the retreat, right? And then including the yoga and as well in the retreats, you know? So that's where my retreat life started. That way we need a idol started. And, you know, from, from that, you know, it just pushed me heavy, heavy into, all right, Marcus, you know, you could really make a change in the island by offering, you know, people what you have been doing. And it was challenge at first because to host a retreat in Grenada to find a venue was crazy. And that's why it was done in Karakul because it was a lot cheaper to find a venue in Karakul than in Grenada. Hmm. Right. And um, yeah, so that retreat life really brought out uh, um, new perspectives on, you know, how I can help not just myself, but the people around me. And um, it brought, with everything else, it brought opportunities, you know, and it not per se like somebody hand me the opportunity, but again, gave me an idea, give me a chance to sit down and think and create opportunities yeah. for myself and others. And what was the feedback like with those first few retreats? Were people actually that into it that they wanted to take a trip to Karaku to spend the week? So let me put it this way. This were people from the States flying down to come to the retreat. Okay. <laughs> was that like yeah, they, they, Indians from the states or just tourists? No, foreigners, all foreigners. So yeah. How did, you, how did you market this? I know it wasn't just you, but so the person was from New York, right? But again, with my network, because I've traveled, I do have like people, and again, just happening. I didn't realize that so much people all over the world, right? And um, so when I said just marketing through on Facebook, um, social media is my main, main thing. And then I'm um, using websites and stuff like that and just really push it through. Yeah. Wow. We actually had bookings for, I had a retreat in Mo- Moscow um, and I had a retreat in Peru to go to, but COVID, right? So, um, um, yeah, I did have other retreats I had to attend, but COVID kind of shook up the place and slowed down. But yeah, so yeah. Yeah, that, that would have been the oh, and one in Spain too, actually. We were discussing one in Spain too as well. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Respect. <laughs> you have time. <laughs> okay, so, so let's get back into the farming now. Um, right. You're a, you're a young farmer. One Facts. Of what I, I've seen is like 300, less than 400 farmers below the age of 35 in Grenada. Yeah. First of all, do you know that it, compared to the 110,000 people in Grenada, that seems very small, but do you know what that ratio is to like the general farmers, the older ones? Um, I, would, I think from what I understand, the 85% of farmers are over the age of 65. 
Wow. Yeah. So there must be a gap in between, I'm guessing. There is. I think, I wouldn't say it didn't fail, but I think because of COVID, you know, a lot of people doing a backyard farming, but um, farming, farm, farmers, um, yeah, is is really, very few young people are farming. Um, and those that are farming, I think also to have just kind of fallen tra- traditional farming ways, excuse me, which is not the best, but yeah. But yeah. I would say that has been that's what the ratio is looking like. Wow. So what do you what do you think as somebody who's been in this for a few years now? What do you think is one of maybe the lesser known or one of the most misunderstood aspects of farming and agriculture that might be deterring young people or people in general from getting involved? You know what? I saw farming as just forking the land, planting, subdivising. You know, that kind of, like, in the mud, you know, um, hard work, hard labor. That's so far from the truth. Like, let me see. Um, the chair you're sitting on right now is because of farming, right? Mm-hmm. And because a tree had to grow, you understand what I'm saying, to create that chair, that is farming, you know. Um, and so when you understand farming, like, farming is basically everything we do. And what I mean by that is, so agro-processing, or we'll just kind of go a bit more simpler. So we have ag- the agro-processing, you know. Um, we didn't know, I didn't know agro-processing was farming. Again, like I said, farming for me was just, you go in the land, you dig the soil, the plant, you know, that kind of vibe. So again, hard work was a deterrent for me. And I think for most people, they see it as dirt, hard work, and you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. The, but there's a fine line in between that because it's true some farmers don't get paid but most farmers mismanage their money because they don't have time to manage their money or manage their books right because they're in the land and it's something i have recently so i've recently acquired pieces of land right um and this is a problem most farmers face and it also hinders other people from wanting to farm because farmers voice that the fact that you see farmers look they they don't have like literally they 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 live kind of hand to more because of mismanagement of the money and the reason why the money is being mismanaged is because they don't know how to do books and the reason why they don't have books is because it wasn't taught and even because all he was taught is how to till the land so again i think we have been taught pieces of farming but not the full aspect of farming and that in itself has hindered us from growing as a farming community because, again, we, are, we have an, a ton of vision on our mind to where farming is concerned. And farming is so much more than the hard work and the hard labor. You know, accounting, we, we like accounting is a serious part of farming that needs to be handled properly. And 80 to 90% of the farmers in Guinea don't. They have farmers making 10 grand on a weekend right and in three weeks they don't have a cent and it's, it's crazy when you think about it. it's like damn but then when you understand that this man doesn't know how much how much does it cost to grow a head of lettuce most farmers don't they don't know that you understand so even when they sell even if you don't know how, to, how much one head of lettuce costs how do you then just work with the price that's given to you because you have to work with the price that's given to you because then you can't say I want X amount because it costs me a dollar to grow the head of lettuce when you break down everything. So which means I need when I put my markup, I need at least um, 100% profit. So I need $2.50 for every head of lettuce because, you know, after I get my, because your expense alone is $1. A lot of farmers, they don't know that, you know. And so I think that is one of the biggest hindrance because you don't see no progress with farmers. So that has hindered me. And again, talking to young people, again, everybody, I don't want to do all this hard work, you know what I mean, for chum change. But the only reason why people see chum change in farm because the farmers don't manage, they don't know how to manage their money, literally. And those who do, some of them don't even know they do farming. Is because when I got into farming, I'm seeing a lot of progressive success. I'm like, damn, you into farming? Yeah. But then there's not something they put out there. Right, so I have never seen a successful farmer until I met my dad doing farming. You understand what I'm saying? And it's like, damn, you have so much more successful farmers than my father. But again, I've been here over 30 years, and all I've seen is in my mind, 
unsuccessful farmers. You don't you don't see that that the farmers get boosted in society by no organizations whatsoever. Like you'll hear you'll hear businessman of the year awards and this award. Who, who got the farmer of the year award? You know, you know what I mean? Like where does the best crops or the best stuff grow? Like you don't have there's no promotion there's no there's no there's no voice for the farmers hence the interview i did recently to really kind of be a voice for farmers because nobody 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 talks for them you know they, yeah nobody is. so but that that's what that's that to me that was a hindrance yeah basically okay so even as you as you're talking about this like the accounting side of things and you know the business management of the farming industry it's something that you know it's not it's not even people who have to get into farming to be able to do that right because it's it's a, a global issue it's not just it's you just you don't need to know agriculture and like plow the land to understand how to manage the accounts of it we have accountants we have people in business we have people in all these different things who can assist but you don't even see that as like a, a viable career path you're thinking okay i need to right. be an accountant right work with the accounting firms of Grenada. You're not gonna right. go seek out farmers to work with them and help them develop. Indeed, indeed. And so you, I'm glad you brought that point up because I do have an idea called the National Farmers Association, which I might change because um, I think they have a, a, farmers, a National Farmers Association already, but basically I wanna form a, a farmers association for for those reasons, I want to make it. Eat, I want to have where we have accountants, right? Where we have peak buffers for the people because farmers don't know the bankers don't want to go in the land. The farmers in her time to go to the bank. You know what I mean? So yeah. even with that being said, we, we need that buffer to that that people in between to make sure that that connection is viable and works. And it is 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 not it's not rocket science. It really isn't. It really. And you just you said it clear, like you know when you. You have accountants who won't do nothing. Like they can actually start a, a farming accounting firm and you know sit down with farmers and you know work work and help them put books together. You know what I mean? So it it is. So that's where things like where I want to do the National Farmers Association comes together to do stuff like that, right? To actually create again that space where I have we have three four accountants who handling farmers books because. I'm, I have I've I've tried it because you know I, I've heard about it. So between the months of October to December last year, I tried it. I was like, I'm doing everything for myself: the land work, the book work, and the market. I mean, finding a market for your produce. Mm-hmm. Aline, I'm telling you right now, it's damn near impossible. Seriously, it is. As a farmer, I've I've tried it. It is, and I understand farmers' plight. It is, you can't be in the land and in the books and still trying to sell your produce at the same time. Because the land requires you almost every day. And the time that the land requires you is from the morning to like, let's say from like 6 to like 10, 11. I mean, by 12, 1, 2, 3, like you get some, da, 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 da. or let's say you go and hustle. Then most times, yeah, most times you might come back in your land in the evening because again, farming is that every day. You have to take care of babies. You have to take care of plants. Yes, you have plants that you're going to make a leave, but at the same time too, if you want, according to what crops you're planting, you had to be in the land almost every day. And with that being said, it is very challenging because then you want to put books together. So now after I done work, like I just live, you guys sit down now and say, all right, Marcus, you're putting this amount of hours. And it's not say it's not possible, but then you're tired. You know, yeah. you're literally tired. You understand? Doing it every day. Like the first two days was nice, but then the third day, the fourth day, and I realized how strenuous it gets. Mm-hmm. It really does get strenuous. So that wasn't. That is something where I again solution be have a solution for, and is creating an association where farmers could sign up. You're part of the association, and this is the services we could offer you. Um, not just the. Not just for you know again farmers, but again it, it would help build um, employment. You know what I'm saying for you know others. And with what's happening now in Saint Vincent, I think also is more time now for farmers in Grenada to be aware and be like, yo, let's get together and see how we could put on some serious work. Because we import about fifty percent, or we used to import about fifty percent of our produce from Saint Vincent. That's true. There's no more Saint Vincent, so we need to supply ourselves. 
And then we have opportunity supply Trinidad, Barbados, the Grenadines, and St. Vincent as well, because for the next five to 10 years, St. Vincent will need food. Right. I mean, why not? We are the closest, most viable option. Just, it's just it's lo logically as well. Like, so from, I think the association too would help with stuff like that, because I don't see Martin Board and all these, uh, even Michelle Agriculture making any major moves to educate and support farmers you know um on you know what they really need to do and even where support and stuff is concerned i mean you know we need to go uh most places with corruption one person have it and they gain whoever they want that kind of boy so um i want to create a a, a fear-based opportunity for everybody and it, it can be done it is possible and right now there's more room you know before there would have been you know a liquor room for everybody to eat man right now everybody is lovely you know what i mean so why not really you know like i say i for me if i was a minister culture dropping everything right now and just focus on putting stuff in the ground because we have opportunities to to capitalize on you like literally so i really hope they do it because if they don't make i mean i'm making my moves but i really hope they do it because obviously Marcus Andrew Collins, um, let's say a marketing boat type company in St. Vincent is one thing, right? Mm -hmm. The Ministry of Grenada or the marketing boat down here calling them is, you understand what I'm saying, is a whole other thing too as well. Meaning that, you know, the respect or the the audience that might be garnered will be a lot easier from their, from their end, you know? So yeah. even stuff like that, I mean, that's the only way I think I might need support from these people. But other than that, like, I believe, you know, people could really just come together and do what they need to do. I have so many thoughts on that. So with this with this organization you're setting up or trying to work on, are you reaching out? Like, are you getting any support from the government or from any other? Nah, and, and I've been reaching out to them. Like, um, I had a meeting with Peter, David, uh, I think some last year, early when he now became Minister of Culture. And I, I run it back. I, I tell him what I want to do. And I saying, and I tell him I want to be the face of agriculture. And I'm, I talk and act. Right. Um, so you know, when when people talk and they say, Yeah, duh, 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 and I just let them know, listen, I ain't talking, like I'm moving. So make sure if you're saying you're moving too. And um most people again, you know how you go, blah 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 blah. But then when you come to making moves, you know, you really don't see them. So yeah, I just keep pushing, man. But if the support comes, it comes. If it doesn't, I feel like I can still do what I need to do and you know, um gana interest without this. So, as you were talking a lot of a lot of what you're saying it it it's painful to watch because that kind of forethought things like we talk about the um disaster management and all that stuff we know that the whole caribbean is you know it's really open to a lot of these disasters and there's no planning because yeah. look at st vincent now no. you know there's no plan in place for where else they could get food from if all of a sudden your your whole crop is gone, you know? Gone. Yeah. Grenada right there, all the <laughs> other islands right there, all you know. You're just thinking about today, you know? Where are we going to get food from today? Where are we importing from today? No thought yep. for next year, next 10 years. If this and this happens, what then? Facts. Um, so if I just talk about that, like I, I try to plan for like 200 years in advance. That is my mental state of mind, like, cause I mean the world, the, the world moving. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you can't just sit around, like I say, plan for tomorrow, man. Tomorrow, like most people doing the same thing they do today, tomorrow. If you understand, what I'm saying right. So I mean, you really. So I'm saying, yeah, plan for tomorrow, but damn, what is the plan for the next? Like, I think people has gone so complacent and uncomfortable. They just like, yeah, I could do that for the next ten years. And I'm like, how? You know, how can you yeah. just be in this state of mind? for the nigga like i have shifted so much over the last 10 years you know what i mean mm -hmm. so and changed so much within me like i'm like how can you be that 10 years ago like, i know people who are the same who, how they was in secondary school everything is the same i'm like oh. <laughs> i understand i understand well all right so let's let's talk about this then what is a piece of advice because you change a lot right you things you know now, right. you might wish you knew back then there's no way Indeed. unless you grow through it right what is a piece of advice or something that you wish someone had given you when you were younger let's say choose either 
you know, 15 or 20 or 25 at, at that stage in life, given where you were mentally, right. what is something that you wish somebody had shared with you? You know, I think I wish somebody that shared how to be patient. We, we weren't taught patience. We, we, we were taught now, instant, instant, instant. The patience I have now, I wish it was taught to me. And all, not just taught, but shown to me as well. Um, anybody out there have patience. And do you, literally. At the end of the day, um, without patience, you know, they say the faster it comes, the faster it goes. That's true. Um, patience, man. When things take its time and build, it works. So anybody else, just have patience. P yeah, patience is key. Um, also, too, you know, I wish I knew about yoga and meditating when I was young. Um, I would tell anybody, you know, really tap into you and love yourself. You know, really find out who you are at a young age you can. You know, I think we have been so listening like we had to wait until we we thirties and to find who we are and find what we really want to do in life. That's good. You could you could do that since you're sixteen. You could do that since you're twelve. You know what I mean? Once you and and just had to tap into you. That's just tap into you. I wish I had somebody show me how to love myself. You know what I mean? How to take care of myself, how to, you know, be one with myself. And like I say, you know, the little spiritual works like meditation, you know. And I think for me, it has changed my life so drastically. Um, I, that's why I try to offer it as much people. Even eat the way I eat. Um, I wish somebody tell me, Marcus, your milk and dairy is no good. You know, um, yeah, because how my body feeling now is so amazing. I'm like, damn, if if this are feeling no, right? And how I was feeling at 25 when I felt like I was optimum and I feel younger now than I feel when I was 25, 26, 27, 28, right? And, but back then I felt like I was Superman, you know what I mean? Like, so my mind is like, if I knew that before, how my body would have been feeling? The, the thought of that, inspires me to share with other people so especially young people so they could experience that right they, they don't have to wait until they, they in the late 20s or 30s they're like you know boy yeah let me start mental start yoga like i i have brothers and sisters who are like seven eight nine and i have, have, have i teach them how to meditate and and they use it and trust me like you can see the difference you know you hear the parents talk about the difference in them you know um and that's amazing for me because then it shows that my theory is right you know once you could get this education and not just yoga i use yoga meditation but that works for me but you know even just affirmations you know stuff like proper prayer and stuff like connecting with family that's another crucial thing you know families don't connect you know what I mean? you know what i mean everybody's just kind of on their own you know and it's teamwork make a dream work so I mean, there's so much little advice that even that teamwork, um, there's no such thing as self-made, you know? Yeah. I think we have been so that everything, you know, you kind of had to work hard and grind and, you know, if nobody's supporting, you just kind of shun off. But, you know, yes, I understand that, you know, that we live in a world where, you know, most people are selfish, but at the same time, we're humans, man, and everything is connected, you know, um, and... There's nobody self-made. Even a person who thinks they're self-made, if they didn't have a customer, they ain't get no money. <laughs> right. Without no support, how 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 do you grow? You know, I mean, so such as that. I think you know we've been sold on that so much that you know I listen to people like, nah, I'll grind and do that for myself, and I'm like, it sounds good, but it's so, you'll be burnt out. It's so fight. It's so fight. Yeah. So team up. Team up makes a dream up. Like I I, I tell friends like if that's your best all his friends sit down form a business do some like hustle together make that money together oh, shit our friends who's couples i tell them the same thing as listen do build together yeah and that's what i'm saying we have to start doing things together we do things too solo and then trying to bring the solar acts together it doesn't work like that and i think for me i'm a lover of nature right um there's not a nature documentary i haven't seen literally so yeah. i really go in on nature and nature shows me that in everything is teamwork there's no part of nature doesn't work with another part is from pred even predators and prey you know we don't even on that dynamics that dynamic i think we see as the predators is, and you know prey like nah predators actually only get through like 
between 25 to 30 percent of the chat the time you know mm-hmm. so as it, it just shows that you know the balance of everything is our balance and everything works so you know I, we don't we don't really work in in the in the <laughs> Circle of life. <laughs> I mean, for some reason, I find like, you know, like humans, for some reason, we cannot find ourselves properly fitted, I guess, in the circle of life as yet, which I mean, so we're supposed to be the smarter ones. And, you know, it's so hard for us to fit ourselves properly in this circle of life where everything we keep, else. We keep fighting against it. You know? Right? That's the curse. <laughs> <laughs> So, as, as we're wrapping up here, tell me a little bit more about your, your meditation practice, because I'm, I'm curious. Did you start meditation once you started yoga, or is that something that came after? It came after, right? Because as, for me, breathing is a crucial thing, right? So everything we do in life, I think, when I mean we should be taught, or we should be at least guided on how to do things at the optimum level. We were, we were taught how to walk, we were taught how to talk. We don't talk about the breed. And it's interesting. We really, just come out and, and it, it, yes, even though it's a natural something or uh, a subconscious flow, it is also something that can be done in a way where it enhances the body or it brings the body as well. Because it's a breath of life. Like, like breathing is a breath of life. So, yoga barometer understanding how we, how, how important breath is and how breathing is and from that um, brought me to meditation. And for me, um, you know, we hear about meditation and you hear about silence in the mind and you're not thinking about nothing and you're such a Zen state. And I have understand too that a lot of what is being pushed also to her is, is more commercial of these practices than the real deal. So for a while I do more commercial yoga, commercial meditating and mind yes it might help but they really don't do what the what the real deal does and you know i had guides here and there and as i tap into meditation it really it helped me to understand that i can observe stuff but i need to absorb stuff and i think that is that that was crucial so even in meditating right you would have like you know i'm sure you have tried meditating before and like thoughts just keep coming and it's like I thought it's always be the opposite way around, right? You know, it's also it's required. Think about this. From the time you close your eyes too, right? Most of you lie down. So much stuff come at you as well. That's because your your mind is can never stop thinking. Your thoughts can never stop flowing. But what you could do is you could choose to absorb them or or engage them, or you could just let them go. And I think the 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 process of letting them go is crucial. Um, again, because our human bodies, almost every aspect of human body is built on letting go. One like waste. Um, every, we have to let go. We have to so we can give room, you know, for stuff to happen. So even with meditating, it's not about quieting the mind. I think it's just about allowing thoughts to flow, right? And, and then you choose what you want to engage in. If you choose to engage in anyone, and practice. Um, the more you do that. What happens now is that you get to a point where clarity comes in because there's no there's no more this wild thought coming, this wild thought coming, this because your brain now understands that you choose what you want to engage in from what you don't want to. Where before before the meditation would have been a, 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 like automatic selection, the random thoughts, da, 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 da. but. Through meditation, you're organizing your brain, basically. I think that might be a trip. You're organizing how your thoughts flow, and you control your thoughts flow from there. So that is, for me, what meditation really does. I don't I understand where, where the concept of silence in the mind and stuff like that. But at the same time, too, that's a bit superficial because, for me, I have never found my mind silence. And people have, have, have a yogi who, she's like 70, and she have expressed the same thing with me, like, there's no silence in the mind. You could quiet the mind and allow thoughts to flow, but you can't stop. If you stop your thoughts from flowing, well, you're basically your brain there, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So that is my understanding, right? And also to like, I like I go deep in stuff. Like I don't go to like I really don't do 
it's hard for me to half fast. Like if I'm interested in something, let me go out, I'll research and I'll I'll research from as much perspectives as possible that I could find. Reason being again, no knowledge comes from so many beautiful, ugly, unwanted, wanted, like everywhere. Knowledge comes from every single way. But then if you're not open to allowing that knowledge to come in. It will just pass you by. So I try that. So it will anything I do, the food when I got into eating healthier, like I really go into like smoothies, juice, like what works for me. And I think that is something too we need to understand. We, we as humans need to do find out what works for you because again, affirmations might work wonders for me. And you might be seeing this and like it's not working for you. And that's because environment connectivity how you grow your experience in life all that is different from mine and it even go back to how i see like stuff like religion and stuff is it's just based on somebody else perspective but everybody is the base of every religion is love and peace it's just everybody have their own perspective on how to get to love and peace but the funny thing is all the underlying information is the same and it, it blows my mind because you know like literally so that's why I've been so solution based because I really go to the root or at a pro, let me nip it in the bud, you know, uh, this patchwork thing doesn't work. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, do you, going back to the meditation a little bit, do mm-hmm. you have like a, a process where like you wake up in the morning and you meditate for 10 minutes and, or? So, I used to. I used to be like that. I used to have schedule. Like I used to be wake up in the morning, yoga, meditation, that kind of like, and that helped. Again, for me, I'm a very eccentric soul. Uh, I really not that. All right, sit down. We doing yes. I would say we doing this, that, that, and day, But also, I, I go the flow a lot too as well, right? Because I've realized sometimes planning stuff is great, right? But at the same time too. How many times you have planned stuff, Arlene, and like the free flow have been have worked out so much better than the plan day. And after experiencing that so much, I have just decided, you know, Marcus, majority of my days kind of free flow. So now I just when my body feels for it, right? I give my body that chance to call out for it needs, and I just give it. Yeah, see, I'm a, I'm <laughs> a planner, right? So I need to know what I'm doing. <laughs> for the day but but that mm-hmm. it, it goes against me a lot because i'm always in my head you know like mm-hmm. the way i first got into meditation actually and i i don't i'm not consistent but i i was for like a good year and a half or so because right. my brain was like everything was going through it at once and i couldn't mm-hmm. like, if you if you were to stop me at any moment and say what are you thinking about i could not tell you because it was like 500 different things wow Literally, this was just my brain every day and i came to a point where i was like i can't function like this anymore um and that's how i actually got into meditation and that helped so much i had to do it on like a schedule where i was doing mm-hmm. every day or twice a day for a few minutes and it was difficult but then when you get to the point where you're not trying to control your thoughts you know you're just letting realizing that they're going to be there right but as you said you can choose how to engage with it that makes all the difference and i'm not i'm not like great at it i i was never good at meditation i don't think but you just have to learn to accept i think that's the whole point of it accept is a great word um and 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 once you accept you know i think it's like self-love, you know, I'll send somebody, um, a, a client, you know, they want it. I was like, you can't, if you want to lose weight, I love your weight. I love what you have, you know, um, and you, so it, it, you can't be against it and then want to change it. You had to love it, embrace it, and then you'll change. So I love to hear the fact that, you know, you say, I hear you say you're not good at it. Um, don't say you're not good at it. Say, you know, where you want Um, because what some powers are crucial thing to as well. You know, you don't want to, because you say like a program your subconscious mind that you're not good at it. And that's not true. Yeah. Because at your level, you're good at where you are. You know what I mean? Maybe, and that is where I think, again, we learn to compare even, because even what you did is a comparison to what, you know, it's supposed to be. And it's even like that, like, it's somebody working on too, but to take away that, you're always comparing 
what we do, how we do to something or someone else, you know what I mean? And it's crazy because we've been built on a world of competition and competition is good too, but unification is so much better. Marcus, I, I feel like we could go on talking forever because <laughs> you know, <right? laughs> it's very interesting to get into your, into your head. Wow, thank you. <laughs> but before we fully wrap up if there's you know young people out there listening or anybody who just wants to learn more about what you're doing or get involved with with your work what's the best way for them to reach you so you can find me via email greenedaital at gmail.com you can find me on instagram greenedaital or you can also find me on my personal page ital job right i-t-a-l-j-a-b um and you can find me also on um Facebook, Marcus Andal or Marcus M.G. Andal. Um, they should, anyone you type in should bring it directly to me. Feel free to message me, reach out, that kind of vibe. Um, yeah, um, and yeah, I think I'm an easygoing person, so sh- nobody should be afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and learn him up. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah. Marcus, blessings. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you so much, man. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. It's always a pleasure. And I, I can't wait to hear, you know, the full thing. I'm so excited, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll share it with you. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much, Arlene, for this. All right. And you have yourself a blessed day. Thank you. And to the listeners, thank you for joining us on today's pathway. Indeed, indeed. Infinite peace, love, light, and blessings. <laughs>